Hey there, future friends. This week, Major Tom may be coming home, but what can save his soul? This is the week of February 26th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 193 of Future Flicks with Billiam. future fans welcome welcome it's been a while i know uh you know more craziness in this covid world and i do look forward to the world going back to normal but if you've been around the block a while with this show you know that sometimes i just disappear and that if i ever start to get paid for this show i will definitely try and do better but until then some weeks I'm just going to take a mental health week, or some weeks I'm going to prioritize something over the show, even though I still really love doing it. But nonetheless, I am back, and I just coughed my brains out, because, uh, like some of you know, I have two different throat sprays I use. Uh, Singer's Professional Strength Non-Alcoholic Soothing Throat Spray. <laughs> God, that shouldn't have been so hard to read. I, I do this so often, it shouldn't be hard to read. And the other one is Honey Propolis Throat Spray with Raw Apple Cider Vinegar. And it was this one, this second one, and the directions are to spray it into the back of your throat. And it hit just perfectly that automatically my body was like, nope, nope, get this out. And I just coughed oh so much, but luckily my voice is still here. I can do the show and welcome, you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam, and in case you're new, let me tell you what to expect. On the show, we do quite a few things. Uh, first off, we talk about the news, that's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. And then we talk about all the trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode, that's any new trailer that has come out. In both cases, I ask you, hey, if I missed anything, or if there's something you think I should have talked about, let me know when I will talk about it in the next episode. After that, normally what we would do is we would jump into the movies. That would be all of the movies coming out during the week. And then I would uh, rate them and then based just on the trailer, pick one pick of the week, which I would deem worthy to see in theaters. And then we would move along. But since COVID's happening and theaters aren't really open, though New York is starting to open their theaters at limited capacity. A lot of theaters are still closed, so instead what I'm doing is I'm talking about all the movies coming out on streaming. And that's not just the streaming services, these are VOD things as well, so you still have to pay. And then I'm picking two movies that you can watch on streaming, and I talk about them, give my thoughts, and then I rate them on the... Oh, I haven't done the song in a while, have I? I base them on the bill score. If you are new... You may have never heard the amazing Bill Score song. Are, are you ready? Are, I hope you're sitting down because you found your next favorite song. Here it is. It's called the Billiams Interest Level Score. Ba -ba -da -ba -da -da. Doesn't that slap? Don't you just want to dance? 
If I ever did a music video and release it on YouTube, I would crush Blackpink's record. I, I just want you all to know that, that they have that record just because I have deemed it so. <laughs> yes, that's why I still work at a grocery store, because, because I just deem it so that I don't want to become super famous. Anyway, the store, the store, <laughs> the score goes anywhere from a zero for those awful, awful films to an 11 for those films that turn it up that extra notch. And originally, the score from Eleven was a somewhat nerdy thing, because we're on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And it was a somewhat nerdy thing, because, you know what, we loved This Is Spinal Tap, and if you remember, This Is Spinal Tap turned all of their songs up to Eleven. But I've kept it. I've kept it now, and I've kept it in anytime I review a book or a movie on my personal blog or on Instagram, because I think it's important. I think it's important to... To have that 11 to show this movie, not only it's great, but it holds a special place in my mind. So that's really why I still do it. And I'm uh, I'm ho- I'm holding out hope that everything was somewhat nerdy will go back to the, the way it was one day. But anyway, my future friends, let us jump into the first segment, which as always is the news. All right, my future friends, this first story comes to us from Variety. The Great Gatsby is going to be adapted as an animated feature film from DNEG Animation. The director will be author, uh, who I believe is a children's book author, William Joyce. Uh, he's set to direct. And Brian Selznick, who wrote the 19, 19, the 2017 adaptation for Wonderstruck, is going to be working on the screenplay. If you remember, the last time we saw The Great Gatsby on the silver screen was Baz Luhrmann's 2013 version with Leonardo DiCaprio, Carrie Mulligan, uh, uh, one of the Spider-Mans, Tobey Maguire, and I can't do it. I need to look. Okay, Joel Edgerton, Elizabeth Debicki, and Jason Clark. So before I get into my thoughts, let me just say that the... Okay, who is it? The Director says that Gatsby continues to cast a powerful spell over readers unlike any other book in American letters. Much of the enchantment of Gatsby comes from Fitzgerald's prose. He created a vivid dreamscape that, to some degree, has eluded filmmakers since the silent era. The previous film versions were constrained by live action, but innovative animation could finally realize the elusive quality of the novel. So here's my question. What the actual f*** is he talking about? Does he actually think that something is missing? Or is he just trying to blow smoke up our asses so when this comes out, we'll watch it going, oh, he can do something no one else has done before. This isn't like some sort of like kid's book or something where it's going to have like all these imaginative, imaginative creatures and everything in it where animation really would be the best way. Like... Like, look at uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Can Could you believe that was live action? It re- wouldn't really work unless you had Industrial Light and Magic style CG. I don't think anything has been missing from any of the movies. The The point of the story is, is look, look, hey, look at all these assholes. Watch them be assholes. And look at the history of this dude who made himself super rich just so he could pine after a woman. And a woman who wasn't even worth it. Like, if Daisy was a better character and not an unfortunately shallow and uninspired female character, if she actually had a character, 
maybe it would have been worth it. But the way Daisy was written is all you have to do is have a semblance of a backbone and she would just bend to your whims. Anyway, I, I think this is a dumb idea. Um, I'd only watch it if it came out on some sort of free streaming service that... I'm not free, just on a service I already had, but otherwise I'd skip this. Next on my future friends, a story from Slash Films. If you are a fan of Guy Ritchie, good news, he's working on a new movie called The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. It's a World War II movie based on a non-fiction book called Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, How Churchill's Secret Warriors Set Europe Ablaze and Gave Birth to Modern Black Ops by Damien Lewis. And not that Damien Lewis, not the actor. Apparently, Paramount has had the rights to this book, uh, the option to turn into a movie since 2015, and it looks like it's actually happening. And it's going to be executive produced by Jerry Brockheimer. So I guess it's going to be CSI Warfare or something. But yeah, I'm already down. I like Guy Ritchie. I mean, I don't think he's the best thing ever, but his films are fun. So yeah, look forward to that. No set release date yet. Actress Martha Stewart has passed away. This in a story from Variety. No, not that Martha Stewart. This was a Martha Stewart who was 98, who was in a movie called In a Lonely Place. Next up, my future friends, a story from Uprox. Apparently, Ryan Reynolds is not going to reprise his role as the Green Lantern in the new Justice League cut, because that was a thing people thought. Next up, a story from IndieWire. Zendaya has spoken out about the backlash over Malcolm and Marie's white director. Malcolm and Marie, of course, was the Netflix original movie starring John David Washington and Zendaya, both who are black actors. And Sam Levinson is the director who is a white dude. So apparently there's a lot of controversy about that, about him writing for two black characters. But when Z what Zendaya says is she spoke out saying, no, we all did this film. You can go online and find her whole statement. Uh, I, I'm not going to go too deep into this because I don't think I could really do it justice short of directly quoting everything she said. But what I will say is that from what I read, here's my takeaway, is that she says they all made it together. So it's not like this guy, Sam Levinson, just showed up and handed them scripts going, okay, I wrote this. I know the black experience. Here, you read this shit. No, they created it together. But if that stellar recap was not enough for you, of course, find the story, read her comments. Uh, she does a really good job defending it. And I think this is a very important lesson, too, of remembering that, hey, maybe you don't have all the information yet. And while all of us, me included, I do this, have jumped to conclusions, it's important to realize that sometimes you're going to have to walk those decisions or those statements you make or the thoughts you've had about it back because guess what maybe you didn't know everything okay i'm not going to talk about this story because it's not really a story um you guys know i use flipboard for my for my news stories and i hate like this i hate this clickbaity bullshit so here's what the title says here's what the title of this article says it says luke from modern family is so ripped he's unrecognizable now he was a fucking child for most of modern family so what you're saying, he grew up and stayed in shape? Ooh. It's like those those articles that say, oh, you can't you can't believe which of these actors are beautiful in real life. It's like, oh, maybe the woman who plays the nun in the Conjuring series isn't really a terrifying nun demon? Really? And Anne just brought up an old article that she saw once that we thought was hilarious. 
it said, oh, you won't believe how hot Lana from Smallville is now. It's like, oh, yeah, because she was sure was a fugly bitch during Smallville. Like, really? Fucking clickbaity bullshit. In a story from Giant Freaking Robot, apparently Charlie Cox is returning as Daredevil in a Marvel series with a brand new costume. So just like a lot of this stuff right now, take it with a grain of salt. It could very well be true. It, it really could. But uh, until we get actual confirmation from Disney, uh, don't hold your breath. And finally, my future friends, let me say this. Uh, I did start an episode last week. I never got past the news. And after realizing I was never going to do the show, I just scrapped it. So I'm going to listen back to what I talked about in last week's episode so there may be a couple more news stories. So if there's anything I think that I talked about last week that I really want to make sure is in this episode, I'm going to paste it in right about now. So when we suddenly go to a break from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, don't be shocked. All right, my future friends, we have some news regarding Star Trek Four. Remember, it was dead and buried. Well, Giant Freaking Robot says that apparently... That's not the case anymore. One of their sources, uh, the same source that broke to them the news that Josh Brolin was returning as Thanos and that Don Cheadle is going to appear in the Winter Soldier or uh, Falcon in the Winter Soldier as uh, War Machine. That same source gave them this information that, in fact, Paramount is dusting off Star Trek Four. that the crew, the whole crew, except for the late Anton Yelchin, will be returning and that, yes, Chris Hemsworth is set to return as George Kirk, as the storyline they're going with is the one uh, the one that was rumored earlier on, where Kirk, the two Kirks, are basically reunited because of timey-wimey BS. But there's more to this. There's a little bit more to this rumor. The other rumor is that they are trying to get William Shatner to be in this, and if earlier rumors from previous movies are to be understood, Shatner has shown interest in being in the movies before, but basically they said they said no. But whether or not that's true, apparently he's in talks now. But the bad news is that so far, Star Trek IV is not going to come out in theaters. Instead, it's going to come out on Paramount+. Plus. And of course, Paramount Plus is what's rep replacing the Paramount Network and CBS All Access, and that their goal is to push people to get this streaming service. So yet another streaming service, but so far from other people, I've heard that this streaming service is kind of lacking because it doesn't even have all the same shows that CBS All Access had. So basically, they're changing streaming services, putting these two together into one, and taking away some shows. All I know is that when Star Trek 4 comes out, if it is only on the Paramount Network, then they're only going to get me for one month, because then I will watch it and cancel. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds.
All right, my future friends, we are back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. So I know my episodes this year have been sporadic, but apparently I missed a Studio Ghibli movie. I missed talking about it in the trailer trove, and I missed talking about it on the show because this came out February 5th on HBO Max, but I want to talk about it because I saw the trailer, and I am I would like to say I'm never going to watch this monstrosity, but... God, I I think I know I have to eventually because it's a Studio Ghibli film, but oh my God. So this movie is called Earwig and the Witch, and it's based on a novel by Diana Wynne-Jones, who did Howl's Moving Castle. Yes, Howl's Moving Castle, one of the best Miyazaki films, next to all of the others, of course. This is about an orphan girl named Earwig, because that's a normal name, who is adopted by a witch and comes home to a spooky house filled with mystery and magic. This is directed by Hayao Miyazaki's son, Goro Miyazaki. And what's so bad about this, you may ask? Why does this look so terrible? Why is Billiam so against it? Why is Billiam, a Studio Ghibli stan, so up in arms? Because this is... A fully computer-generated animated film. And it looks terrifying. It looks like a really bad PlayStation 3 game. A really bad PlayStation 3 game. And what upsets me about this is that I'm looking at the credited cast, and for the first time in I don't know how long, I could have talked about an animated film that didn't have a stacked cast with a bunch of celebrities whose voices really don't f***ing matter because a lot of these people, I don't know a lot of these names. I would have been stoked to talk about that because let's face it with Doolittle, who the f*** cared that Tom Holland or John Cena was in it? So finally, I, I assume, I don't know if these people are actors or voice actors or both, but presumably voice actors are doing their thing in a Studio Ghibli movie and it looks horrid. Don't believe me? Watch a trailer. Believe me? Watch the trailer anyway. If I have to suffer, you have to suffer. I'm sorry, you know I love you, but you gotta suffer with me. And you know me! You know I love being a contrary ass. You know if there's a movie people hate, I will want to love it so I can die on that hill. If there's a people movie... If there's a people movie... If there's a movie people love... I will want to hate it. Okay, not all the time, but I would love it if I hate it so I can die on that hill too. But I am 100% with the masses on this one. All right, next up in the trove, my feature friends, we have a movie coming out March 12th to uh, video on demand called Cosmic Sin. And I'm actually very, very excited for this. This is a sci-fi movie starring Bruce Willis and Frank Grillo. Oh, and Luke Wilson as well. I am down. It is a big old sci-fi movie with space battles, and it's about seven rogue soldiers launch a preemptive strike against the newly discovered alien civilization in hopes of ending an interstellar war before it starts. It looks like one of those movies that's not going to be great, but it's just going to be enjoyable. And watch a trailer. I think it's going to be fun. All right, my future friends, did you see the trailer for Old? Did you? Well, I did. Uh, This is the... New thriller by M. Night Shyamalan, creator of such classics as The Last Airbender. 
starring people like Thomas and McKenzie, Alex Wolf, Gail Garcia Bernal, based on a graphic novel called Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar, Oscar Levy. Oh, and Frederick Peters. And it's about a family that vacations on a beach on a tropical island and they start to age like fast. And we all know that M. Night Shyamalan is hit or miss. Some people really like him. If you do, that's great. I'm glad you have someone that you can enjoy so much of their work. But we all know that M. Night Shyamalan has some films that are great. Some films that are sure are films. You can sure watch them and it's a cinematic experience, but maybe don't watch them again. And we will see which one this is. Uh, By the way, if you hear some typing in the background, I'm joined by my my wonderful wife. She is joining me upstairs because it's cold as balls downstairs and I don't want her to freeze to death. I can also pretend she's my secretary. Sweetie, take a memo. Dictated but not read. She just said no. It's a joke and she said no. Okay, thank you for the support. I appreciate it. Mm Mm-hmm. Three more big trailers to talk about, my friends. Let's talk about Cruella. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Cruella, live-action prequel featuring the young Cruella de Vil, starring Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, and Mark Strong, coming out on May 28th, I'm assuming, to Disney+. Plus. I'm assuming. Hopefully it'll be automatically available on the 28th, and they won't make you pay for it, and then wait a couple months to release it like they did with um, Mulan. Thank you, sweetheart. I was excited at first, but then I had some thoughts. I think it looks good. A lot of people are comparing it to a Disney, the closest Disney can get to a version, their version of Joker. And I understand that. I understand that parallel because it's about how a famous villain became a famous villain. Though with Joker, it exists outside or in its own universe. And I'm not sure if this one's supposed to. But here's my question. If they're going to build up Cruella de Vil, and this movie does look pretty awesome. But are you telling me you're going to make this movie building up this character? who the main thing she's going to do in 101 Dalmatians is try and kill a bunch of puppies to make a coat. Really? I understand giving Maleficent an origin movie. I I would understand doing that for a lot of different Disney villains. But Cruella de Vil, really? Was she she really enough of a villain? I mean, we all hate her because she wanted to kill puppies for a coat. Yeah, that's pretty fucking evil. I get it. But I'm not sure how I'll feel watching this movie about the birth of this villain and because you can only make her so awesome and then have her go okay killing puppies for a coat that's my new thing unless they're going to build her hatred of dalmatians into it thus kind of changing the narrative of her character in 101 dalmatians am i putting too much thought into the uh into the cruella movie maybe maybe not we will see and next up my future friends another Straight to streaming movie coming out on April 16th. This one to HBO Max. It's. I had to do that. Come on. I just had to. But I am super, super excited for this. I mean, I loved the first two Mortal Kombat movies. And let's be honest, they were bad. They were bad films, but they were so much fun. And the epitome of 90s martial arts movies especially American made nineties martial arts movies or, or more like eighties from that style, but they just weren't good, but they were so much fun. And I I have one issue with it, one issue so far. And let me just tell you the characters that we're going to see in this and then tell me what my issue is with the movie, not myself. I know what my issue is. So the characters in this are Sonya Blade, 
Scorpion, Kano, Sub-Zero, Raiden, Liu Kang, Shang Tsung, Jax, Melina, Kung Lao, and Cabal, and a new character named Cole Young. So which, which vital character is missing? And I'm not talking about someone like Reptile or um, Cybex, 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 whatever. I'm not t- I'm talking about one of the other ninjas. I'm talking about Johnny f***ing Cage. Where is Johnny f***ing Cage? A true fan favorite. Where is he? But that aside, I am very, very, very excited for this. It looks so good. And I think we got lucky because the director of this movie, this is his first movie. He did a video short in 2014, and this is the only other thing he has ever done. IMDb lists nothing for him besides that one short. And you know IMDb would list some episode of some obscure TV show if he had it. So, no one of note for directing, and I'm still super excited. Anyway, this comes out on HBO Max on April 16th, and my my boner will exponentially grow until that film comes out. And finally, we have to talk about it, even though it's been a while since the trailer came out, we have to talk about the trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League, the famed Snyder Cut. And as you all know, I've been excited for this for a while because I did like the Justice League. It was probably one of the worst comic book movies to come out in a while, but it was fun. And I love DC. I love Superman. I love Batman. I love DC more than I do Marvel. But Marvel just does movies better. And now we're getting this long-awaited Snyder Cut, which people are even more excited for now that people hate Joss Whedon. But I watched the trailer and I didn't like it. I did not like the trailer. There was too much of the original Justice League film in that trailer. There was just way too much of it. We have seen that movie. We are excited for what Zack Snyder is going to bring to the table that we haven't seen before. All of the reshoots. The over half the original running time of new stuff. The original Justice League came out in 2017. It was two hours. The Ultimate Edition, which was the director's cut, is three hours. So that's at least, at the very, very least, one complete hour of new stuff. But I fail to believe, I refuse to believe, that Zack Snyder is going to take those three hours of the Ultimate Edition and just add on an hour more and go, okay, done, that's my masterpiece. I believe Zack Snyder had a different vision that Joss Whedon f***ed with when he took over. And even if we still liked Joss Whedon, even if he wasn't a creepy son of a bitch, even if he didn't have very problematic issues, it would have still been a clash of styles. And so you can't tell me that Zack Snyder's going to come in and just tack on an hour more and say, this is what I did. Like, this is my vision now. So I refuse to believe there was not enough new footage to make a trailer of the new footage that wouldn't also spoil stuff. I refuse to believe that. So instead of showing us new stuff, hell, give us a 30-second, one-minute trailer. Give us a short trailer of new stuff. So instead of that, they give us this rehashed with a couple new things thrown in, and I am disappointed. Yes, 
I quoted that old meme, son, I am disappoint. And I, I am going to go into this with realistic expectations. I am going to go into this realizing that's probably not going to be amazing. It's just probably going to be better. And it's not going to take much to get better than some of DC's movies. So this full four-hour cut comes out on March 18th this year to HBO Max. And my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. We will be right back. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Alright everyone, we are back with the movies coming out on streaming this week, so let us start with one called My Zoe coming out on video on demand. And as a quick reminder, sometimes when I say video on demand, it is coming out on a bigger streaming service, but I just didn't find that information out. This is about a divorced mother that looks to protect her daughter after an unexpected tragedy. This stars Julie Depley, or Delpy, I mean, Julie Delpy, who is also the writer and director of the film from Before Sunrise, Richard Armitage from The Hobbit, Gemma Arterton from The Girl with All the Gifts, Daniel Brühl from Captain America Civil War, and Lindsay Duncan from About Time. And after watching the trailer, the premise that IMDb gave is kind of lacking. So here's what happens. We have this divorced mother, loves her daughter, and one day when it's her turn to have her daughter, she goes to wake up her daughter in the morning and her daughter is sick. She takes her daughter to the hospital. In the hospital, her daughter dies. This is a fucking tragedy. But she can't get over it and instead starts looking into cloning her daughter. So she turns to the doctor, who is played by Daniel Brühl, who, instead of wanting the mission report from December 16th, 1991, he's going to help her clone her daughter. So instead of some weird sci-fi medical movie, this looks more like a dark and emotional indie film. And it just looks okay, I guess. It, nothing really called to me about this. This movie feels like it's been done before, even though I can't recall a movie like it off the top of my head. But who knows, maybe it will call to one of you. If this sounds interesting, it comes out this week. Next up, another VOD release called Tiger Tiger. Tiger spelled T-Y-G-E-R. After robbing a pharmacy, a selfless woman and her mute friend kidnap a drug addict and then hit the road to distribute the stolen life-saving medication, but find themselves trapped in the fringe lands of the lawless and psychedelic city. This stars Dylan Sprouse from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. And just like the previous movie, I bet this movie is for someone. I bet there's someone out there who'd really enjoy this. But still, for me, movies about drugs just make me uncomfortable. Next up, coming out this week straight to HBO Max, is Tom and Jerry. This is an adaptation of the classic Hanna-Barbera property, which reveals how Tom and Jerry first met and formed their rivalry which I thought was different from the original trailer, 
I thought this was about Tom and Jerry not having a place to live because they, I don't know, their cartoons done. So they're, they've been kicked out or something and they find this hotel. But either way, all I know is that this stars Chloe Grace Moretz from Kick-Ass, Michael Pena from End of Watch, SNL writer and star Colin Jost, and Ken Jeong from The Hangover. And this looks terrible. And I don't want to watch it. And I don't even think I'd watch it for the show to shit on it. I think I would just skip this. Instead, let's talk about a movie that looks more interesting called Crazy About Her. This is a Netflix original film from Spain. This is about, after a magical night together, Audrey voluntarily turns himself into the psychiatric institution where Carla lives. So that's a little vague, but if you watch a trailer, you find out that Audrey and Carla met one night, had a one-night stand, and they were just going to do this, oh, one-night stand, not even find out each other's names, we're just going to bang and it'll be great. And then while they're banging, they're like C- Carla was like, hey, my name's Carla. And then he goes, oh, hey, I'm, I'm Audrey. And then so like a normal person, he stalks her online and finds out that she's in the hospital. Oh, no. So he goes to visit her in the hospital, but it's not a regular hospital. It's a psychiatric institution. And the only way to get in is to be a patient. So he does the normal person thing and gets himself put into this institution. But as creepy as it could be, this actually comes across as kind of charming and a little disarming because then he gets into this institution and befriends people, befriends her. But it's not that easy. This isn't a rom-com. This is a romedy, I think, because there are funny parts, drama, comedy, blah, blah, blah. You know what I meant. But she's also very scared. That's why she did the one night stand thing, because she doesn't believe she can be in a relationship. She doesn't want to hurt people and she doesn't think she's worthy of love. So, yes, crazy about her does seem like an interesting film. And it has the bonus of being a Netflix film. Most of us have Netflix, so most of us could already watch this. All it will cost us is a little bit of our time. So check this out when it comes out this week. Next up is a film called The Vigil, and I could swear I remember talking about this on the show before, probably in the trailer drove, and I thought it looked interesting. Uh, The Vigil coming out on video on demand about a man providing overnight watch to a deceased member of his former Orthodox Jewish community finds himself opposite a malevolent entity. So the main two people in this haven't been in much. And the most famous people in this are Lynn Cohen from Munich and Fred Melamed, who has been around forever, but most recently and probably most famously now he has been in WandaVision. He was Vision's boss. And this seems like a very interesting indie horror and not indie horror in the way of The Witch or Midsummer or one of those where it could it's unfortunately on that teetering point of it could be very good or it could be utter garbage. This film doesn't look like it's indie in style. It looks like it's indie because it's an independent company, low budget independent company. And I still think it looks pretty interesting. This is a very interesting idea. You just don't see a lot of movies about the Orthodox Jewish community. And so the fact that we're taking this and we're, making it into a horror is very interesting to me. Now we have seen a horror before with a, a a Jewish lore kind of feeling to it with the movie, the possession that was from 2012 with Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Kira Sedgwick uh, based on the Dybbuk box. 
the Dybbuk box as seen on uh, Ghost Adventures. But as far as I know, this one isn't based on any sort of legend or anything. It's just a horror revolving around a Orthodox Jewish community, and that's pretty cool. I'm excited for this, but I can also wait for it because I don't think I want to pay to watch this right now. Next up, my friends, is Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. This is an Apple TV Plus original documentary. This is an intimate look at the singer-songwriter's journey, navigating life on the road, on stage, and at home while creating her debut album. And look, I know it's easy. I know it's easy to make fun of whatever it is teenage girls are currently into. Remember Hanson, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, New Kids on the Block, uh, One Direction. And then Billie Eilish came and took the world of tweens and teens by storm. But this looks really interesting. It, it does. A fascinating look on how she made this album and also her effect on people. And then her fans' effect on her. Uh, mental health is going to be a big part of this documentary, and I think that's absolutely fascinating. I like a few of her songs, but to be honest, I'm more interested in this for her, and not necessarily because I'm a fan. Unfortunately, it's on Apple TV+, and I promise myself I will never get Apple TV+. Because let's face it, Apple already has a bunch of zombies who buy their phones every time a new one comes out. I don't need to add to that. And finally, the last movie coming out this week, and my pick of the week, is The United States vs. Billie Holiday, coming out on Hulu. This follows Billie Holiday during her career as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by black federal agent Jimmy Fletcher, with whom she had a tumultuous affair. This stars Andra Day, who is a musician in her first lead role playing Billie Holiday, Trevante Rhodes from Bird Box, Miss Lawrence from Star, Natasha Leon from But I'm a Cheerleader, Eric LeRae Harvey from Luke Cage, Divine Joy Randolph from Office Christmas Party, and Leslie Jordan from Will and Grace. I'll be perfectly honest, the vigil looks more interesting to me, and if I knew for a fact the vigil was coming out on one of the big streaming services, it might have been my pick over this. Because this definitely looks interesting, and it's a very interesting idea. Interesting idea. It's a very interesting part of history, and unfortunately, not a great part of the history of white people. Because you know we have a lot to choose from when it's uh, when we're trying to make movies that don't make us look great. But especially this, because we have Billie Holiday, a black woman singing songs, and then we have the government basically looking at this, going, "Oh, is she inciting black people to?" try and fight back against oppression? Maybe we need to put this down. Oh, we know she does drugs, so let's get the Department of Narcotics on her ass. Let's get her banned from playing in almost any state and try to ruin her career in life. That's a great idea. History will thank us for this, they probably said. But what really impresses me about this movie is in the trailer, Andra Day does a impeccable Billy holiday uh, impersonation. There has to be a better way to say that because impersonation kind of cheapens it, I think. But just when she sings, she sounds a lot like Billie Holiday. So even though I I think The Vigil will be a more entertaining movie, I think The United States versus Billie Holiday will be a more important movie because Billie Holiday is an amazing black icon. 
but she's also an amazing music icon. She's also an amazing singer whose songs still exist today. And of course, I don't mean that in the sense that a song can go extinct, but it's still relevant. So this movie is important for many different reasons. But with movies like this, I have a fear. I really do. I have this deep fear of what if it's bad? What if it is bad? Because we have this film that could stand for so much. We have this film that could represent so much, that could have a very important message. And if it's not good, then that's horrible. Because you have this botched opportunity. So hopefully this film will be good. From the trailer, it looks good. It, it does look good. Andrew Day looks like she does a fantastic job. Trevante Rhodes, we know, is good. So far, all signs point to this being a good film. So when I go into movies like this, I have to remind myself that no matter how much I want to like something for its message, or how much I want to support black voices, or how much I want to love something like this, it has to be a good movie first and foremost. Luckily, like I said, all signs are pointing to this being a good film. I guarantee it, moving forward, this will be one of the films I watch for the show, and so you'll hear my thoughts on it when I eventually do watch it. But as of this week, this is the pick of the week, so if you watch any film coming out on streaming, brand new, this is it. All right, my future friends, that is it for the new movies coming out. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast who are back with their new semester. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future friends, welcome back. We are back with the first movie of the week, which was a Netflix original film called The Midnight Sky. This post-apocalyptic tale follows Augustine, a lonely scientist in the Arctic, as he races to stop Sully and her fellow astronauts from returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. This stars George Clooney from Up in the Air, Felicity Jones from Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, David Oyelowo from Selma, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, the TV show, Damien Bichir from The Hateful Eight, Tiffany Boone from Hunters, and introducing in her first film, Kaweline... Springall, I think is how you say it. So if you follow me on Instagram, uh, my movie Instagram, BilliamSWN, uh, you may have seen my review of this film, and thus you know what I think, but I want to go a little more in depth. So you know me. You know I love sci-fi. You know I love original sci-fi. And when I say original sci-fi, I don't mean 100% original, because this is based off a book by Lily Brooks Dalton called Good Morning Midnight. 
But what I mean is an original film that's not based on an already a, a property that's already around, like not in a Star Wars, Star Trek, something like that. Even though I love those films, I get the biggest nerd boner for new sci-fi. You may remember me saying something like that when I was talking about Cosmic Sin, the movie coming out this week with Bruce Willis and Frank Grillo. And what I love about sci-fi is that that's an original sci-fi film. The Midnight Sky is, a, is an original sci-fi film. And they're so different. One is more realistic, and the other one has epic space battles, which I love. I love both. But this one gives us kind of what feels like two separate stories that you know are going to cross at some point. We have George Clooney, who is also directing this film. Uh, George Clooney plays Augustine, this old man, and you know very soon in the film that he's sick. And just a reminder, I am not going to avoid spoilers for these two movies. So if you want to watch these films and haven't yet and don't want spoilers, this is your last, well, first and last warning. So Augustine is sick. He has some sort of cancer, I'm assuming, because he needs dialysis daily, or maybe his something's failing. We don't fully know, or do we? Is it cancer? Either way, he's not doing well. And he chooses to stay behind instead of going back home with everyone at this Arctic station because he he knows what's out there. He knows that we're going to have this group of people who are on a mission who are coming back. So a while back, these astronauts were sent to one of Jupiter's moons. They were sent there because there's a good chance that this newly discovered moon of Jupiter can sustain life. And so this group of scientists and scientists, astronauts, you know, same thing, are on their way back. They're on their way back and they haven't had contact from Earth because guess what? A global catastrophe happened. And that's why George Clooney's staying behind so he can warn them, hey, don't come back. Don't come back and land because you're going to die. But that's not all. George Clooney starts to notice things that are weird in this station. And this is not a horror, no, but he sees a bowl laying out. He And he thinks, oh, maybe I already ate breakfast and I'm just, you know, I'm not all there. I'm getting a little loopy sometimes because of this treatment I'm giving myself. But then he finds a little girl, a little girl who won't speak. And he knows that when everyone who was at the station was leaving, there was this woman looking for her daughter. This other member of the of the Arctic Station crew said, oh, she's already left. She's already been put on a on a chopper leaving. And he's like, oh, no, she wasn't. She was left behind. So he's taking care of this girl. And then guess what? Shit goes wrong. And he they need to make it to this other station that has a stronger satellite so they can get this message out to this crew. So it's really a race against time for both people and the crew coming back. I forgot why, but they explain why that they have to take a different way back, a way that has been mapped out so they can't avoid debris. They can't avoid meteorites or uh, whatever the technical term for them is called. They can't avoid these things, so it's dangerous. And this isn't a suspense film, but it does a good job with the suspense. What lost me with this film, and not fully lost me, I still enjoyed it, but what I wish is that it wasn't so predictable. And I'll admit, my wife guessed more than I did, because we know that George Clooney kind of let his relationship with this woman go because he's focused on on being a scientist and focused on this mission, on starting this mission. So I had guessed that Felicity Jones's character was his daughter. 
And guess what? I was right. What I didn't guess until much, much later was that this little girl who he thinks is Iris, this girl left behind, is his daughter too. But he's starting to lose his mind. So he's seeing her as he's getting sicker and sicker. And as that's going on, we have this other story back on the spaceship where Felicity Jones is pregnant and then they all have to deal with this fact that the Earth's basically gone. So Kyle Chandler and Damian Bachir, who have families, want to get back to them. And there's just so much going on in the film that I, I think I think the almost two-hour runtime was good, but I think it would have been better if things weren't predictable. And I know, that sounds like a basic thing to say. Of course, it would be better if the movie wasn't predictable, but I think it w- would have been a lot better if so, mu- so much of it wasn't predictable. But you know what? Let's wrap this up. Let's finish with Midnight Sky and say it was good. It was solid. The performances were good. Nothing mind-blowing, but nothing bad. Uh, I liked it. And even though it was predictable, like I said many times now, it was still entertaining. And this is a good one-shot movie. I don't really see how they could ever do a sequel to this. And even if they could find a way, I don't think they should. I think this ended the right way. So at the end of the day, if you are a fan of sci-fi, check this out. This is a solid film. If not, if you're not a huge sci-fi fan, maybe skip it. But like I said about Netflix, so much that really, what do you have to lose? Worst case scenario, you don't like it. And we've all seen movies we haven't liked before. And guess what? We've survived. So I say give this film a shot. Just don't expect Oscar material. And I think at the very least, you'll enjoy it. The Midnight Sky gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us take our final break as we hear a word from our good, good friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, and we will be right back with Disney's Soul. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. Welcome back. It is time to talk about soul. So you know what? Here we go. After landing the gig of a lifetime, a New York jazz pianist suddenly finds himself trapped in a strange land between Earth and the afterlife. This features the voices of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, Alice Braga, Richard Ayoade, Felicia Rashad, Questlove, Angela Bassett, David Diggs, and Wes Studi. So a lot of people are excited for this. A Disney Pixar movie with a black main character focusing around jazz music with black actors voicing the black characters. So that, that right there is pretty cool. Because if you look back to The Princess and the Frog, which was an important film because it was the first time we had a black princess, there were black actors voicing the characters. But at the same time, the black main character was an animal, was a frog for most of the film. And so going into this movie, a lot of people had the fear that we were going to see that again. Because in the trailer, we see Joe, voiced by Jamie Foxx, the main character, We see Joe 
fall down a manhole and he appears in the afterlife as an anthropomorphic soul thing. And so we had people going, well, are we just going to get more of the same? Are we going to get a black main character? But then are they going to lose anything that would be a or everything that would be a physical representation of their blackness in the movie? And I'm happy to report no. Because even when Joe is a soul, he is looking back at his life. So we are seeing him. We are seeing the world that he comes from. We're seeing why he loves jazz so much. What I can't speak to is I can't say is if it was a good representation of anything to do with the black experience. I cannot say that. But what I can say is I can talk about this as a film and I can say it is a good, solid film and and i can also judge this by my understanding of disney's history with black main characters and i'm not going to try to look up black creators and see what they said about it and then just tell you what they said because just go find them find them and watch your videos or their tiktoks or listen to their podcasts and see what they have to say because it's not my place to say so what i am going to tell you is I'm going to judge this as a film, and as a film, it was well done. It's a very familiar story, because we have Joe, who gets the chance of a lifetime. He is a music teacher, and he gets to play piano and in a jazz club for a very popular artist named, let's see, Dorothea Williams. And he gets to be part of the Dorothea Williams Quartet one of his lifelong dreams, and then poof, he dies. And he's in between heaven and hell, or heaven and earth. We're not going to get that dark with hell. He's going to be between heaven and earth, and he figures out that he needs to find a way to get back. And it's Soul 22 who has the idea, or gives him the idea, because he realizes he needs a special earth pass to get back to earth. Soul 22 has been in this soul land forever because he, she, it, even though it's voiced by Tina Fey, it's not really a boy or a girl. He, she, it doesn't want to go to Earth. So he's like, how about we get you that pass? I take it and we go down. So he tries to teach. And you know what? I'm just going to call her her for the rest of the show. But just understand that 22 is none of those things. But just because his voice is Tina Fey, I'm going to say her. So she is not down with this. She Nothing really resonates with her. But during his trying to help her, he realizes stuff about himself. He realizes that even though he wants to break out of being a music teacher, he loves it. He does love sharing his passion, which I think is a very beautiful story. Because we've all heard that horrible saying, those who can't do, teach. And while we know it's wrong... It's still a uh, still a saying that comes up a lot. So to get really campy with this, Joe learns that the gift is sharing his love, sharing his passion. Because who gets him this opportunity with Dorothea Williams? It's one of his old uh, one of his old students, Curly, voiced by Questlove, learned to love music from his class, and in this film. Along this predictable story, along this familiar story, we get some really brilliant moments. We get some really beautiful moments, and it turns into more of a more of a look inward. Because as we watch Joe learning more about himself, 
There's also that message of you may have your dreams and your dreams are great, but do you also love what you do, what you're doing now? So even though I found where Soul was eventually going was predictable, and I found Midnight Sky predictable, I liked Soul a whole lot more because I didn't mind the predictability because the there was an overall message. Where Midnight Sky, what that movie had, it was banking on the fact that these big reveals would be an oh shit moment and then it would end and you'd be like, whoa, that was crazy. And it didn't happen because of the predictability, where in Soul, it's not the oh, oh shit moment at the end. Because there is no ocean moment, it's the journey. The journey is what makes this movie worth it. And it's a very well done movie. Is it my favorite Disney Pixar movie? No, but it's definitely up there. So we have a good movie, and it just happens to be a great movie for representation. So we have two great things about this film. And we also have the fact that it's a Pixar film. Their worst movie still isn't bad. The Cars franchise and Brave weren't terrible. They're just okay. And this movie is up there near the top. And plus, we have the benefit of having a cat in the movie, so that is something that really speaks to me as a cat lover. So when you watch Soul, do it because you want to watch a good movie. When you watch Soul, do it because you want to smile. When you watch Soul, do it because it's going to be a good time. And when you watch Soul, do it. Because Soul gets a 10 out of 11. Alright, my future friends, that is it for the movies. Let us take... Oh, we have no last break, actually. We're jumping right into the question of the week and the movies for next week are two that I've, I've watched a while back. One of them I've already talked about on Instagram. And the other was just one I just happened to watch. Uh, I had originally planned on doing two different movies this week. Or for the next episode, I mean. But Anne had the idea of talking about these since we've already watched them. That's giving us more time to watch new movies for the next show. So the movies for next week are Gemini Man and Like a Boss, both of which should be able to be streamed on Hulu and Amazon Prime. It looks like Gemini Man is no longer on HBO Max if you do have it. So those are the two films. And as for the question of the week, I know I did this in a weird <laughs> in a weird order, we normally do question of the week first, but if you do not remember, the question of the week for last week was, if you could have one movie poster hanging in your house, what would it be? And I could have sworn someone else outside of this house answer that question, but I'm looking around and I can't find it. So once again, and as always, if I missed your answer, it's nothing personal. I am kind of a space cadet and I forget a lot of things. So kindly remind me, what that answer was, and I will talk about it on the next episode. But let's start with Anne's answer. Anne said Palm Springs. Palm Springs, of course. The movie from last year starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti and J.K. Simmons, Peter Gallagher. And I've mentioned the film quite a few times because I really did like it. It's a Groundhog Day-esque film. One of those movies where they keep repeating the day. And like you have to do with a movie like this, they do it right. They do something different, but they don't but they don't try too hard to distance themselves from the movies that came before. And I think they find the perfect middle ground and they do it really well. To describe the poster, you just see the two main characters in some lounge in some um pool wear, floating in little inflatable tubes in what looks like it kind of looks like the pool is the road 
and they're just floating in it. And this road's out in the middle of the desert. I really like it. And as for my answer, it's not what I expected. Because, you know, some of my favorite movies, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Gladiator. But it's not one of those. It's not even one of the posters I own. I have a few posters framed. I have the Doctor Who Day of the Doctor poster. I have Star Trek 2019 2019, 2009, and Star Trek Into Darkness framed. But the, but the one I really like was a special Star Trek Beyond poster. It's kind of minimalistic. You just see some clouds and the Enterprise flying up in the background and the word Beyond. And I think, I think it's so cool. It's one of those posters that reminds me that posters are art. Not all of them are good art. Some of them are just mass-produced crap, but some of them stand out. And to me, that one stood out. My second answer was going to be Star Trek Into Darkness, but the IMAX one where it has the Enterprise that's been beat up and it's falling down towards Earth with the smoke trailing behind it, I really, really like that one. So yes, that is my answer. So it is time for a new question of the week, and February is coming to an end. So I want to ask you, since we just had Black History Month, What's your favorite movie featuring either people of color starring in the movie with a black narrative? And I think that's okay to say. Because remember, look, I never mean to to be offensive. And like in the past, like I've already owned up to and I will continue to own up to it if anyone ever calls me out on it. I have said some messed up things or at least things that can be construed as insensitive or colorblind. And so if I ever say something that may offend you, please remember I don't mean to do it. And then just tell me. Say, hey, Billiam, what the fuck? So my future friends, that was episode 193 titled Astronaut Soul Food. We will return next week with episode 194 further down the road to episode 200. So let me send you off with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>